This is Shi'ar Jeshub, a Bible study broadcast coming to you from the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. Today we will be continuing Pastor Greg Scalzo's sermon from 1 Samuel chapter 7 on Israel's repentance at Mizpah as part of our series on heavenly authority. Now let's rejoin Pastor Greg. Verse 5, And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah. You'll see that up on the map there, Mizpah. And I will pray to the Lord for you. Restoration, they need to be restored, Israel, requires prayer. Mizpah means watchtower. It's a city of Benjamin. It's in the region of Jeba and Ramah. You can see it there on the map, circled. And there needs to be this corporate gathering and this prayer for restoration. Gather all Israel to Mizpah. Summon all Israel, and I will pray to the Lord for you. Verse 6, So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. So all Israel gathers together. They recognize Samuel's leadership. We said how God did a wonder that he grew up this child into a man, that he made him a prophet, even while Eli's sons are so wicked. There was that time period that he allowed it to go on before the defeated Ebenezer, preparing Samuel for leadership to take over, to replace. And they recognize here now, after 20 years, Samuel's leadership. Remember, he's called the prophet. In chapter 3, verse 21, it tells us the word of the Lord was revealed to Samuel. And so he summons all Israel, and at least it's their leaders and representatives, but all Israel comes out to meet him at Mizpah. We have sinned against the Lord. This is a moment of true repentance, recognizing our weakness, recognizing the sins, coming face to face, looking in the mirror and seeing what we really are. They drew water. They poured it out before the Lord. And this is a symbol of their humiliation and contrition for sin. They could be owning themselves as water spilt upon the ground. In 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 14, that wise woman that comes to David, she says, For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up again water spilled on the ground that cannot be gathered up again. They are counting themselves as that water spilt upon the ground which cannot be gathered up again. The hopelessness of mankind, the attitude of repentance, and this is very probably symbolic of that. It's also symbolic of them making an offering of themselves before God, as Paul tells us that he was poured out as a drink offering. They are poured out, they are contrite, they are poured out as an offering before God. It's also a type 
of their tears, their corporate tears poured out on the ground before God as a nation, as an assembly. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 49 says, My eyes flow and do not cease without interruption to the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. Until God sees me, I will cry and cry before him. And when they draw that water and they spill it out on the ground before God, it's obviously symbolic also of their sorrow for sin and their recognition of the current state that they're in. And clearly, we know from the New Testament, it's a type of water washing, the water of washing, the baptism. They're, in effect, baptizing the land, washing the land, drawing that water and pouring it out, offering a repentant land to the Lord. How America needs to offer a repentant land before our God. And they are reformed. Notice the elements. There's prayer, public repentance, and assembly. Not just telling ourselves, I'm sorry, before God, but telling all the rest, repenting publicly, and saying, I'm sorry, I've sinned. They're contrite, they're broken, they're sorrowful. Tears for past sin. Turning away from the wrong way, turning back to God. The water, always present with repentance for washing. Fasting, it says they fasted that day. You know, as humans, we look to satisfy ourselves, to feed ourselves. And fasting is a denial of self. Even as John the Baptist and his disciples, and John preached repentance over and over, were told in Matthew chapter 9, they often fasted. Denying the self in humility and brokenness. There's confession. We have sinned against the Lord, they said. And they offer themselves back to God. And Samuel, it says, judged the children of Israel at Mizpah, judged, Shaphat. So now we see not only is Samuel the prophet, now he's also a judge. Remember Eli was a judge as well as high priest? And now we read that Samuel is a judge, truly the last holy judge. He will make his sons judges, but it'll last only a short time. He's a leader, giving God's righteous judgments and leading to the people to try to keep them from going back into sin. He follows in Eli's place as Israel's leader. The judge, the one who governs, remember, the one who dispenses justice, the one who delivers the people from oppression, Shofat. So Samuel is the prophet, and Samuel is a judge. Verse 7, now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. They're seeing them gathering together, the Israelites, and they see it as a threat. And we're going to put them in their place, the Philistines are thinking, before it gets any worse. And then Israel hears they're gathering against them because of the assembly at Mitzpah, and so they become afraid. Verse 8, 
So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Notice there's a true repentance here. Many times when Moses would have a miracle performed through him, the Lord would use him for the people, and then something would happen against the people, the people would start to blame Moses, right? And they would grumble against him. Look, you led us to the Red Sea, and here come the chariots of Pharaoh. They would forget the ten plagues and turn against Moses. Doesn't happen here. There's true repentance. They're afraid. They see the Philistines coming, but they give the proper response. They turn to Samuel. They say, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. They believe God can deliver them. They believe Samuel is his representative. And they're praying, and they're asking Samuel, you pray, don't stop, keep praying that God will deliver us. And Samuel cries out, verse 9, Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. The suckling lamb that's offered, the sacrifice. When we truly repent, our restoration to God is based upon the sacrifice of God. Jesus Christ, what the Lord did at Calvary, and obviously the sacrifice Samuel makes is a shadow of that. We count ourselves nothing. We depend totally on the sacrifice of God. And there's a sacrifice made, and there's this prayer made, the prayer of faith that Samuel cries out, and the Lord answers. The Lord hears. Now here we have Samuel as what? Samuel the priest, right? He's making the sacrifice. But remember, Samuel is a Levite, but he's not a descendant of Aaron. We've spoken about this. Remember from 1 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 33 to 38, He's a Kohathite, not a descendant of Aaron, though, a descendant of Korah. And remember Korah, the Levite cousin of Moses and Aaron, who opposes Moses and specifically opposes the priesthood of Aaron. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 3, he says, You take too much upon yourselves, Korah, the ancestor of Samuel, tells Moses and Aaron, you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy, every one of them. We don't need this priesthood of Aaron. We're all holy. Moses implies in verse 10 that Korah was seeking the priesthood himself. He wasn't satisfied with being just a Levite. He wanted to be a priest also. And the ground splits apart and the earth swallows up Korah and all the men with him. And subsequently, Aaron's rod is the one that buds, sprouts, in Numbers chapter 17, to say, this was the one I chose to have the priesthood come from. Why? Because all the people are not holy. Korah was speaking as some of the modern theologians. Everyone's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. We don't need anything else. We're all holy. And it's not true. 
All are not holy. None are holy. We cannot approach the holy God. And that was really the reason for the priesthood of Aaron. The people were not consecrated in their hearts. And only by the system with symbolic ceremonies and garments could even the sinful Aaron and his sinful children minister at the tabernacle where the presence of God was in order to give the symbols for what God would do through Messiah, in order to teach the people about repentance, the need for a sacrifice. Kor is wrong. And not only that, not only are we not all holy, but the people would not even consecrate themselves. And so God gave the system of ceremonial consecration that one like Aaron could even begin to approach the presence of God, though we know he couldn't go into the most holy place. And the day he could go in, he couldn't look. He has to have the cloud of incense there. But Samuel, Korah's descendant, is a consecrated individual who was given his life to God. He was brought as a Nazarite from birth. He has submitted diligently wearing his little white ephod to Aaron's descendant Eli and his unholy sons working and serving them day and night at the tabernacle in Shiloh. He was the true Levite in service of the descendants of Aaron even from infancy. He's one like Moses, totally sold out to God. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. May the Lord keep you safe in his blessed hands as with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you serve him.